this morning, taking time out of your schedules to be here to worship our God. And I asked the question, where else would you be? Right? Those who are online, those who are, are here present, we thank you for uh, your presence. And together, as we worship our great and holy God, let us remember to focus our minds on Him, on His will, His word, and His way. And let us take this opportunity to remove worldly thought from our minds. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We give unto you all of the praise, the honor, and the glory, and thank you so very much for this opportunity, this day to worship you. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus, your great son, who sacrifice his life for us. Though the stroke was due us, yet God bore it for us. We thank you. As we worship you this morning, we pray that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight and in accordance to your will and your way. We ask, Lord God, that you will help us this morning to remove all worldly thought from our hearts may focus only on your word, focus only on you. We thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and give thee thanks, but be thy will. Amen. Revelation chapter 17, we're moving along. Rome's seduction, Rome the great harlot, Rome seduced People with the lure of riches, money, 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 and the love of money, the love of it. And she desired to produce nations that would, would follow in her sins of worldliness and seduction. And Rome was a city given over to immorality, and she lured other kingdoms to join her. She was a vain, and wealthy nation that enticed others with commercial desire. But there's a contrast that will happen between what she was and what she later became. The scarlet woman upon the scarlet beast, the harlot, Rome. Revelation 17 and verse 1. And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, and I shall show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. So let's allow the Bible to interpret itself, as we always do, because that's how we gain our understanding. So this this text tells us that the great harlot sits on many waters. So let's jump over to verse 18. The Bible there says, and we're crying in the wrong spot. Here we go. And the woman who you saw, the great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. This woman is Rome. 
We want to gain that. We want to make sure we, we have that. The woman whom you saw is the great city. That great city is Rome. Verse 15. And he said to me, the waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So the city is Rome and the people are the waters. So we're talking about people who live in a great city. The city is Rome. That's important. Overall, she is seen to be a ruler of, of many, many nations with great power and royalty. And she loves, Rome loves persecution. And what she really loves is she loves to drink the blood of the saints. So she had three approaches. We read in Revelation chapter 13 as she destroyed the works of God's people. As she came against God's people and she tempted them and tested them. She did it in three ways. And you can learn from this. We can learn the principles of this. How Satan works. Number one, politically. Brute force is what he used. Brute force. To symbolize in Revelation chapter 13 that, that beast that came from the sea. Or rather from the earth. And then in Revelation chapter 13, it tells us he used false religion. The second way that he comes against people, which is symbolized by the sea beast and known to us in Revelation chapter 13 also. And then the world of lust. And that's symbolized by the harlot, right? The very title that she is a harlot. The harlot of harlots. In verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. So that's Rome, right? Rome. Revelation 17, 2. That is a description of Rome. She is just, just one who is just immoral and wicked and evil. She rides on a scarlet beast. She draws power, if you will. She draws power. From her royalty, people look at her, look upon her, and they're, and they're amazed at her. She was robed in, in purple and scarlet. But you're going to see that this woman, this city, this great city, will be shown to us as one who is naked and destitute. Verse 3. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw... A woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. What is a cup filled with? Filth. The filth of the world, that which the world loves. And she has all of these blasphemous names against God. Brethren, we can hear it today. Folks who blaspheme the very name of God and the filth that we find in our world today. Satan does not work differently, but rather the same way year after year, day after day, month after month. He has the same vices, and that's why the Bible says we're not unaware of his schemes. He hasn't changed, but neither have we. And God, God demands change from his people. See, Rome loved 
bloodshed. Like the gladiators, you know, they, they love the idea of these men going into this, this arena and, and they would fight to the death. Blood and gore. They loved it. She loved it. And worse than the games, she loved killing Christians. She loved killing innocent people. She loved it. Rome loved that. Rome was cold. They were a cold-blooded murderer. That's who it was. That's who they were. That's what they represented. They, they were the ones that would, would take uh, Christians and pour tar and pitch on them and then suspend them between heaven and earth and light them on fire to light their arenas. Rome, they were the ones who would put the Christians in the arenas and then they would bring wild animals, wild beasts out and allow them to devour the Christians in their presence. And they made bets. They were a bloodthirsty, wicked group of people. She was vicious. A vicious persecutor of the church. Thank God that he destroyed Rome. In verse 6 and verse 7, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witness of Jesus, or witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I shall tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. You see, the mystery is the way the book of Revelation is written. It's to reveal and conceal. If God had just written to us and said that the Roman government will be destroyed by the church, she would have increased her persecution upon the Lord's church. But instead, this mystery, this information has been given to us by God. And we understand it because we understand our old books, the Old Testament. And we understand holistically as we look at the Scriptures, the Word of God. In chapter 13 of Revelation, verses 3 and verse 4, listen to what the Bible says. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? You see, there was a saying that went out, you know, the beast being Rome, that no one could defeat Rome. And when Nero died in this great persecution that will arise against the Lord's church, there would be this rumor that said, Nero has been revived. Nero has come back to life. And yet, that wasn't true. And the Bible is going to show us, in no uncertain terms, it's going to show us the kings or the emperors of Rome, who they are and what will be their end. Chapter 17 and verse 8. Part of the mystery is concerning the one who was and is not 
and is about to come. And that's in verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and to go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth will wonder whose name has not been written in the book of life and the foundation of the world when they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. And so that's part of the mystery. Like, who is this this beast that was and is not and will come? Well, we're going to grab that. But before we do that, let's jump to verse 9. For just, for just a moment. Cause we want to get, we want to understand and remind ourselves we're talking about Rome. Verse 9 says, Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. So, here's our information that we're talking about Rome. God is emphasizing to us, this is Rome. Rome sits on seven hills. I've given you that information already in your bulletin. You can go research, you can Google it and find that Rome sits on seven hills. We are talking specifically about Rome. We're talking about the people, the subjects of Rome. So Rome and her, her subjects, Rome and, if you will, uh, her people. Go back to verse 8. And the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss. To go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth will wonder whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that he was and is not and will come. Verse 10. And they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. And the beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven and he goes to destruction. So the beast represent what? We just read it. Kings. So we're talking about Rome, her subjects, and specifically the kings of Rome. Later, we're going to introduce the client kingship and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want you to get the scope Everyone hated Rome because Rome was a was a, a a vicious nation full of bullies. They were bullies. They bullied everyone. The scope of these verses is this. It had persecuted Christians. It was. Currently, it, it was not persecuting Christians. It is not. But brethren, soon, all that we're reading about in Revelation, the fulfillment of it, and the wickedness and the evil, soon, they're going to return to persecuting Christians again. And that's why we need to understand who the persecutors are. They are the Roman kings and her subjects. But know that even though the Roman king who begins this persecution again will come up as, as if it will, were out of the abyss. Know for sure that he will be destroyed. Okay. The persecution was. The persecution is not currently going on. The 
persecution will come again. That's the scope. Verse 10. And they are seven kings, five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain a little while. And the beast which was and is not, is himself also an eighth, and is one of the seven, he goes to destruction. So if you go and look at all the Roman emperors from the first, in the first century, you gotta go back to 27 BC because of the fact that Augustus is the, the first known, if you will, emperor and he reaches over into the new, AD, if you will, 14. So you have Augustus, then you have Tiberius, Caliglia, Claudia, and then Nero. Nero. Nero was the great persecutor of the church in the very beginning. And Nero reigned around 54 AD, right after Claudius. Nero's the one that Revelation 13 speaks of when it says, has he been revived? Has Nero come back? When we think of persecution, we think of Rome, when we think of, of Nero, they know that Nero was the great persecutor. Is Nero coming back? Well, Nero's going to come back, if you will, in Domitian, is what the Bible's telling us, that Domitian is going to be the man who will destroy the Lord, or really, if you will, attempt to destroy the Lord's church. But after Nero died, there was a terrible, terrible civil war. So in 68 and 69 AD, you have three emperors that really never rise to power. Okay, and that's Gaba, Otho, and Vitalius. They never really rise to power. They, they fight back and forth of who's going to be the new emperor, and they never really, they never actually get there. So the Bible tells us, look again at verse 10, and there are seven kings, five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he must reign a little while. So, after these three, in that one year and a couple of months, Galba, Otho, and Vitalius tried to become emperor. Finally, Vespasian comes along. Vespasian has two sons, by the way, Titus and Domitian. But Vespasian comes along, and, and Vespasian actually secures the Roman Empire, if you will. He becomes the, the real emperor in that day. But there's another one mentioned in verse 10. Let's read verse 10. Verse 10 says, and they have, they are seven kings, five have fallen, so all the way up to Nero. One is Vespasian, the other has not yet come, and when he comes, he will remain a little while. So, Vespasian is the emperor, Titus is off waging war against Jerusalem, Vespasian dies, Titus comes back, if you will, and he becomes the ruler of Rome. But he doesn't live very long. Titus only lives for two years and about 22 months as the emperor of Rome. So he didn't remain too long, but he was there for a little while. We're trying to get to the eighth. Okay? We're trying to get to the eighth. So we have, right now, we have all seven. And now we're trying to get to... The eighth is Augustus and Tiberius and Caliglia, Claudius and Nero. We don't count Galba, Otho and Vitalius. And then there's Vespasian. Vespasian 
is uh, the one who is important to us. He's the sixth. And then the seventh is Titus, but he only comes for a little while. He only reigns for a little while, two years and about two months, actually in about 20 days to be exact. And then he goes away. What we're concerned about is the eighth. The eighth king, I'm going to throw this out there and I'll come back and pick it up in a moment. The eighth king is also the eleventh king. Okay, I'll come back and pick that up in a second. We're focusing on the earth, the eighth king. Now the number eight, numerology, would be resurrection. Starts over again the week, right? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the seventh, the eighth, resurrection, start over again. Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, etc., etc. There's this persecuted people. So listen again to the scope. It had persecuted Christians under Nero. It was. It currently was not persecuting Christians. It is not. It soon will return to persecuting Christians again. It is about to come and will come out of the abyss. The Bible is making it clear to the Christians to prepare their hearts and minds for what is about to come. And what's about to come is a terrible, terrible, ruthless leader who for the next two and a half centuries will bring about a persecution upon the people of God that's written in history that will never be forgotten. Domitian reigns, Domitian lives, Domitian dies, and yet the persecution continues on. It continues on emperor after emperor after emperor for the next two and a half centuries. But Rome is about to be destroyed. That's God's point. God's point is, is when you look at this, you say, God, how long is this going to go on? And God says, well, you know, you got to give it time. But I'm watching over you. I'm taking care of you. But this is what is about to happen to God's people. Be thou faithful until death. A lot of Christians are going to die. You know, the beautiful thing about being a Christian, a child of God, is that Dying is not the end, it's the beginning, isn't it? It's where we're, it's where we're trying to get to anyway. We're trying to get to heaven. And our mission is going to cause an amazing persecution to happen against the people of God. Now, I mentioned earlier that, that Domitian is the 8th and the 11th king. He's the 8th king because in the book of Revelation, as it gives us its information, uh, figuratively and symbolically, it leaves out Gobble, Otho, and Vitellius. It leaves them out because they're not really emperors. They really don't do anything in history nor in the presence of the people. And so Domitian is the eighth king. But there is a prophecy way back in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 7, please, that lists not only the eight, but Daniel will list all 11 kings. Which means, when you look at the list, Domitian is both the 8th king mentioned in Revelation, and he is the 11th king mentioned in the book of Daniel. And God not only describes him to a T, but even the destruction. Daniel 7, beginning at verse 23. Daniel 2, excuse me. Daniel 7. Verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth 
kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms. That's Rome, right? From Daniel chapter 2. It will be different from all the other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. And another, that's the eleventh, will arise after them. And he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. You hearing it? You hearing Revelation now? Verse 25. And he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law. And they will be given into his hand for a times, time, and a half a time. But the court will sit for judgment and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. So Daniel mentions ten kings and another one, the eleventh. If you go look at your list, it's Domitian, number 11 in Daniel, and number 8 in the book of Revelation. So now I want to go back to Revelation chapter chapter 17. Daniel counts all of the kings. Revelation only counts the eight, the ones that are very particularly important in this text. Revelation chapter 17. Rome established as they as they went about and they were conquering nations they would they would put into place a king this king would be a what we call a client kingship in other words they answered to rome they were they were not they were kings in their provinces but they weren't the king the king was caesar right the emperor they answered to the emperor this is a client kingship so the bible tells us in revelation 17 and verse 12 it says And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast. So in the provinces, these kings, again, they would pay taxes. They would, uh, uh, their nation or or their, their country, that whatever, wherever they ruled in their province, these kings would answer to Caesar, to the emperor in this particular text, as we're reading on now, to Domitian. They would answer to him. They would follow the rules and the laws that Domitian would would place out there for the world to see. In verse 16, And the ten horns which you saw, and the beast, these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate, and naked, and will eat her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose, and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. Here was the problem. We're going back to Daniel now. Daniel chapter 2 now. Here was the problem. The problem was because Rome was such a bully, In such a horrible and treacherous nation, everybody actually hated Rome. I mean, they hated Rome. When you go back and look at history, people hated Rome. Rome was a bully. 
They were a terrible, terrible nation. They were a terrible, terrible world leader. They were terrible, terrible people. The Roman Empire. Those who followed wickedness and evil. And these subordinate kings, if you will, will be the ruin of Rome because they hated Rome. You know, Rome wasn't destroyed by a fierce nation from without. And that's what they thought. They prepared themselves for this fierce nation from without that would come and destroy Rome. That is not how Rome was destroyed. Rome was destroyed by her own client kingship. Rome was destroyed from the inside out, not from the outside in. And Rome wasn't prepared for that. They couldn't handle it. So Daniel told us that already. Speaking of the church, Daniel told us that. That there are these kingdoms, right? The Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians. Uh, And then after the the Medo-Persian Empire would come Greece. After Greece would come Rome. And Rome would be destroyed. Why? Look at what Daniel says. Chapter 2, verse 40. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, Rome. As strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things, so like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. And in that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. And that was the end of Rome. Rome couldn't, Rome couldn't control its people and keep them united. It couldn't bring unity. But Rome just brought destruction. And the destruction that Rome brought was the destruction that came on the head of Rome. Revelation 17 is giving us information about what's going to happen to the church. But it doesn't end because the book of Revelation tells us what over and over again? Who wins? Yeah. We win all day long. God will never lose. It doesn't matter what happens in the world today. You keep your faith and your confidence in God because we do not lose. And God tells us this over and over and over and over again. And we get to see it. We witness it in the Bible over and over and over again. And now Rome, who can wage war against Rome? Rome is defeated. And who do you think defeated Rome? Well, we know the answer was God. It was the kingdom of God. Daniel told us this. Daniel 2, in verse 44, the Bible says, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. That's the church, brethren. Will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put to an end all of these kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. So Rome tried to destroy the kingdom, tried to destroy the church, but guess what, brethren? It's still here today. Here we are. And where's Rome? Gone. No power, 
no authority, brings no fear upon the world. Regardless of what goes on in our lives, we're going to close now. Revelation chapter 17. Regardless of what goes on in our lives, it doesn't matter what goes on in your life, do not give up your faith in God. Because we win. And it may not be pretty. And it may not be always what I would like for it to become or be. And I might say, as some have said, God is not answering our prayers, but brethren, God always answers our prayers. Sometimes the answer is no. But one thing I do know is this. One thing that you know, one thing we grab from the entire Bible, and now as we're studying the book of Revelation, is this. Regardless of what happens in our lives, it is absolutely impossible for us to lose if you hold on to God. You've got to hold on to God. And so often, brethren, because of the tricks of Satan, because of the deceitfulness of Satan, because of the difficulty of life, we give up. Some of us give in. Don't give up. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. And He promises And he will bring us through it. It's ugly for a moment. It's ugly for a moment. But it gets better. You know, the world suffers the same way. It's ugly, but they don't have the hope that we have. So we try to encourage them to come to the Lord to receive the hope that we have. It's ugly for a moment. But brethren, like the seasons on the earth, it will go away. And then another season will come. Revelation 17 and verse 14. The message of the Bible. These will wage war against the Lamb. And the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with Him are the called and chosen and faithful and Satan loses over and over and over again. Brother, if you don't get anything out of the Bible, you got to at least get this. If you stick with God, you can't lose. And the problem is, so many Christians, because we go through some things in our lives, don't believe this anymore. Just like in the days of Rome, Some of the Christians just stopped believing that because Rome looked as if it was so powerful and and could not be defeated. And and my trouble, my my trial was was so strong and so so powerful in my life that I just felt like I, I couldn't see an end. And so I gave up my faith. Don't ever give up your faith and confidence in God. Right now in our pandemic, when will this ever end? Look, brethren, don't worry about when it's going to end. Just live through it and live with Jesus, right? Live through it, live with Jesus, walk with Jesus, and show the world that we have hope and trusting faith and show the world that God is in control and show the world that we win. We win because this world is not our home. We're just strangers passing through, preparing 
for our eternal home to be with God forever and ever. And this morning, if you are not a child of God, hope is only in Christ Jesus. We encourage you to surrender your life to God, to read and have heard His Word and believed His Word and believe it and repent, have godly sorrows, turn your life around, turn to God, be victorious, reign with Christ. Make the confession that you believe Jesus is Lord Christ, the Son of the living God. Be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And then stay faithful to God through all adversity and through all goodness. Stay faithful until the end. And then we reign victorious and we will reign victorious with you. If you're a child of God and you're struggling in your faith, if you would like prayers made in your behalf, if there is anything that we can do to help you, please make it known. While we sing our song invitation in just a moment, God bless each and every one of you. Thank you.